Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. So, uh, but we have three grown children, and each one of our grown children um, loves the Lord and serves the Lord along with their spouses. And it's been a joy to see how God has brought us through so many different things, so many different trials in our life. We just passed a season of a trial where God really strengthened our faith and had us come together um, as a family. My daughter-in-law was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer, and she is young. And they went in, and they did surgery, and they did chemotherapy, gave her a clean bill of health, sent her out the door. But if you've ever fought with cancer, you know that you're never really given a clean bill of health because you leave there more scarred than when you came in, Right? And so we're going to talk about, this morning, we're going to talk about the Word of God, and we're going to talk about the power that has in each one of our lives if we know that it has power, and if we use it the way God has intended. And so I've entitled this message, You're Only As Good As His Word. And the reason why I titled it that was because um, when I was a kid, my dad used to say to me, you know, Kim, you're only as good as your word. And what he was really telling me was integrity really came when everything lined up. I didn't get that message when I was young, young. I mean, he said it all the time. But I would have to tell you that in my 20s, I wasn't very good because my word was worth nothing. See, I would tell you whatever you wanted to hear in order to get what I wanted or needed. And so it came through a very simple prayer at one of the darkest times of my life where I said to God, okay, I hear you. I'm going to have to make some changes. I get it. And he began speaking to me, and he began showing me. And actually, I said to him, give me such a thirst for your word. Give me such a desire for hearing it, not just listening, hearing it, understanding it, and applying it to my life. Give me that desire. Give me that thirst. And that's actually what he did. He began giving me the thirst. And I noticed that as I was learning and as I was understanding and as I was applying, that the thirst became greater and greater and greater. Do you know that everything that we know about the world is almost exact opposite in God's kingdom? In God's king in the world, you get thirsty, you take a drink of water, you take two drinks of water, you drink a bottle of water, and the thirst goes away. In God's kingdom, you take a drink of the word, and you want more word. And you drink the word, and you want more word. And you drink the word, and you want more word. And pretty soon, you can't get enough. It's just you're drinking it all the time. And so what I'm here to tell you today has to do with the Word of God and how it is that we translate that into our own lives. How many of you brought your Bibles this morning? Yeah, yeah. Even if it's on an electronic device, that's good. Your Bible's there, right? You see it. Your eyes see it. You can follow along. Well, we're going to be talking about the power of this Word. We're going to be talking about how to use it and how, how to allow God to have its way in us. You see, God has given us this. 
this, what we call the word or the Bible, the scriptures. He's given it to us so that it will help us understand and accomplish, get this, the truth. There is only one truth. There's only one. There's not, okay, well, your truth is good for you and my truth is good for me. No, there is only one truth, and that is the truth that is found in Scripture. You see, God and truth are inseparable. God doesn't go anywhere without truth, and truth goes nowhere without God. And so they're inseparable. And so when we understand that God has given us the word so that we can understand and accomplish the truth, then what we understand is how much power it has. How much power it has. And so we're going to go through a couple of passages of scriptures, and I'm asking, really asking God to open my eyes, not just your eyes, but to open my eyes to things that maybe I have missed along the way. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Are you prepared? Are you equipped? Are you in the word? Because that will make the decision for you. We have to stay in the word. In 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verses 13 and 14, Paul is writing to uh, the people that are in uh, the Thessalonians, and he is saying, therefore, we never stop Thanking God that when you received his message from us, whose message did they receive? I'm interactive. I want you to talk back to me. It'll be better for you, let me tell you. Whose message did they receive? They received God's message, not Paul's message, not the men that were with Paul, they received God's message. Can I tell you something? If you receive anything today, anything at all, you are receiving it from God. You're not receiving it from me. I'm broken. God has healed me. But on this earth, I'm still broken. I still do things that go against his will. You guys... I wish I could tell you all the times that God has humbled me, but we'd be here all day. So I'll tell you one. At the very beginning of my ministry, God uh, spoke to me and said, hey, when, I, when you were 15 years old, you said to me I could do this for a living. And I told you at that time it would be done. He said, and now you're going to start doing it for a living. I was so insecure Oh, my goodness, I was so insecure. And I probably three months after I knew that I was going into the ministry, I was asked by a friend to go up to a church in Fresno to a pastor's conference, and they had asked me to speak. So I said, okay, that's fine. I'm good with that. I walked into the building. It was me and two other women and about 250 people. So immediately Satan took that and started using it. 
Oh, you shouldn't be up there speaking. Oh, see, it's all men. They're not going to receive from you. Why are you wasting their time? Why are you wasting your time? You know, those type of things. So I, I went to the bathroom and got myself together, came back out. When it was my turn to speak, I started to walk up the stairs, and I realized that I had gum in my mouth. You, if you do public speaking, they will tell you you should not chew gum when you're on stage. Not a problem. I'll just spit it out. What you don't know is when I get nervous, my nose begins to run, which is the reason why I carry hankies everywhere. My nose begins to run when I get nervous. So I got up on stage, realized that I had gum in my mouth, and I thought, and my nose had already been running, so I thought, not a problem, I'm just going to turn around while they're still, you know, doing their thing and blow my nose, and I'm like, it's all good, you know? So I go like this, and I... And then I felt it. The gum had stuck to my nose. It was bright green gum, like watermelon flavor or something. And so I thought, not a problem, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and kind of take it off, you know? So now I'm picking my nose because they don't know that it's gum. And I'm sitting there and I'm doing this. And Satan says to me, see, I told you you shouldn't be up there. He won that day. I stumbled over my own feet the whole time. But I declared from that day forward, I would never let him win again without a fight. I would never let him win without a fight. And so in, when... Paul is talking here. He says that he is thanking God because that they had received God's message. When you come and you listen to Pastor Josh, you're not hearing him. You're hearing God. God only uses him just like he uses you. He may use him in a different way, but he's still, it's God's message. And it goes on, it says, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted that. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. That's really important. You see, the word of God works. The word of God works. And it goes on and it tells them, and then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitated the believers of God's churches in Judea who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. Here's what I want you to know out of this passage of Scripture. God's word is true. Sounds simple, doesn't it? God's word is true. And many times we will believe God's word when we start going through a trial. But if we go through a season, we will begin to doubt. God's word is true. Even in persecution, God's word is true. But not only is it true, it works. God's word is at work. At this very moment, God's word is at work in you. 
It is taking whatever is being said, and it's working on the inside. And the Bible tells us in John, the 15th chapter, the 7th and 8th verse, it tells us how it works. This is what it says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, let me tell you about this word abide. See, something abides when it takes up residence in that place. It abides when, when you are willing to take it in, even if that means that you move other things out. The word is at work when it abides in you. I was told as a young child, um, probably out of protection, but I was told as a young child by my father that there were no evil spirits that there was no such thing as the evil side. There was only good. And you know what? When God started showing me that there were evil spirits, that there were things that I contended with in prayer, that there, were, there was the such thing as oppression, I had to move what my earthly father taught me out to allow what my heavenly father taught me in. So when it's talking about the word abiding in you and you abiding in the word, what it is saying is it is making its home in you and you are making your home in it. But if you never read it, how are you making your home in it? You're not. You, you have to pick up the word and you have to use it as it's been intended. And then it goes on and it says, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. You know what happens when the word works? God is glorified. He's glorified. And then it goes on and it says that you bear much fruit. You want to bear fruit? You get in the word. You get in the word. So you will be my disciples. That is straight from Jesus' lips. And so we need to figure out that we need to live in the word, and the word needs to live in us. But so many times we treat, we treat the word of God like it's a visitor. Honestly. We treat the word of God like, yes, I, I want to read you and I want to be a part of you, but only when it's convenient for me. That's what you do to guests or visitors. They call and they say, hey, I have a few minutes I can stop by. And your house is a mess. This is from a woman's perspective. And you say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not home. You can do that now because you have cell phones, right? Nobody has a house phone. Before, they would have known you were lying. Right? When God's word is a part of us, it's no longer a visitor to us. It takes up residence. It's home in us. And so that's what we need to understand. In fact, Jesus said it himself in John the fifth chapter. What he said was this. It was to the Jewish leaders. And he says, listen, you think you know. You think you know the word. The problem is the word has made no difference in you. It hasn't taken up residence in you. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you've memorized. It doesn't matter how much law you know. If it doesn't live in you, it's no good to you. It's only those good to those people who you try to control with it. 
And so we have to let the word of God live in us to be active, to work. It's got to take up residency. The word of God is also active when we take hold of it and we use it as it is purposed. When we use it at its purpose. So then you might say, well, how is it purpose? What is it for? I'm going to tell you. Ephesians 6, 17 says this. Put on the salvation. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Prayer and the word go hand in hand. Your prayers will be much more powerful when you pray the word of God. And this is how I know. Let me just give you, it doesn't work across the board, but let me give you a word picture here. God calls himself the judge in the Old Testament. That's his position. If you were to walk into a courtroom and you were trying to plead your case, would you not take what the judge had said previous, bring it back up and said, listen, you said your decree was, and I'm standing on what you already said. When we do that with God, when we say the word of God is this, it has so much more power. So we need to be praying the word of God, but you can't pray it if you don't know it. So your praying becomes begging. You're begging God to do something. And he's begging you to do something. And he says, you need to pick up my word. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 2 Corinthians 10 also talks about the word being a weapon. That, it is, that it's a sword. In fact, the word is talked about quite a few times as a sword. But this is how we treat it many times. You all know what this is? It's a pocket knife. See, a pocket knife you keep in your pocket in case you might need something. You know, in case you might, I don't know, want to defend yourself, want to have victory over the enemy, and you pull out the word of God. You know, you keep it there just in case. And that just in case time comes and you go, okay, wait, uh, let me find my pocket knife. Okay, I'm ready. Go. This is not what the word of God says the word is. This is not what God says the word is. The word of God is not a pocket knife that you fold up and put away where nobody can see it. And the only time you bring it out is when you need something. That is not the word of God. The word of God is not this either. I know, a knife in church, can you believe her? <laughs> the word of God is not this. This is a kitchen knife. See, a kitchen knife stays in my home, 
and it's only used for certain purposes. So the first knife was an emergency knife. Oh, Lord, I need you now. Come through. My kitchen knife stays in my home. I don't really show everybody my kitchen knife. I don't bring you into my home and say, here, look in my drawer. See my kitchen knife? Isn't it great? No, my kitchen knife is kept away. I mean, I know it's there if I need it, right? And it's there for certain purposes, but I really don't use it all day long. I just use it at certain times. The word of God is not my kitchen knife. What they say, what he says in the word, is that the word of God This is the word of God. It's not tucked away. It's not kept at home. It goes with me everywhere I go. And when the enemy comes, or if I need to advance, I use it to make the advancement. The word of God is a sword. It's a sword. Not only is it a sword, it's a double-edged sword, which means it cuts going in and it cuts going out. That's what the Word of God is. And here, here, here is something that I want you to see. Michelle, where are you? I told you I was going to use you. Where are you? There she is. I did not realize this was her first Sunday singing. You people need to be praying for this girl. She's got a future ahead of her. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. As tiny as she is, and as young as she is, it doesn't matter as long as she's got the sword. Do you hear me? Start preparing your babies and your children with the sword. Now, if you're going to fight, is that how you're going to hold it? Okay, show me how you'd hold it if you'd fight. Okay, good job. Good job. She held it right in front of her. Because what you, what you need to see is it's, she's got it. She's got the sword. She can't tuck it away in her pocket. She can't put it away at home. She carries it with her everywhere she goes. And it doesn't matter how little or how big or how young or how old. It doesn't matter because all that matters is a sword. Would you agree? Alex, where are you? This is my brother, Alex. He's got a sword, too. A little bit different. My, my son-in-law right now is going, I wondered where that went. <laughs> no, it's not mine. Um, he's got a sword, too. So I'm going to come over. I'm going to have you come over here, Alex. Is that Okay. Thank you. Michelle is got the sword, and she's fighting. Alex has got the sword, and he's fighting. Now, let me show you what happens. Do you know there's no piece of armor that was given in the scriptures that covers your back? Do you realize that? Everything is as you face your opponent, which means that he can come by sneak attack behind you. But if she is wielding her sword... 
and he is wielding his sword, I want you to face that way, guess what? There's no entry. And as they understand the church, as we understand the church, as we add people to it, Josh, come help me. Bring your sword. That's his sword. Okay? Young lady, would you help me? Yes. Bring your sword. She's got a sword. Would you help me? Come this way. Fit right in there. <laughs> He's got a sword. Casey, would you come help me? Step right forward. He's got a sword. Do you understand what's happening? What's happening? The circle is getting bigger. They are taking ground by God's grace and by the sword. They are extending the territory of kingdom work because not only are they using the sword to fight on behalf of themselves, but they are covering each other's back. Does that make sense to you? Okay, thank you. Thank you, sweet thing. I don't know who your mom and daddy are, but they better be praying over you, sweet girl. Thank you so much, sir. See, you and I don't understand the power that we have when we use the sword of God. Sometimes we don't understand how it's to be purposed, but God tells us how it's to be purposed. This is how it's to be purposed. The word of God is a weapon. It is not a kitchen knife. It is not a pocket knife. It is a weapon. And it's to be used at a weapon, as a weapon. Did you know that the Roman soldiers, if they were ever caught without their sword, they could be put to death? If they were ever caught without their sword on them, they could be put to death. Because the saying was, a soldier without his sword is not a soldier at all. And they could be put to death. So it's important for us to understand that as soldiers of Jesus Christ, we are walking, living, and acting according to the sword, which is the word of God. Okay? So we have to keep moving in that direction. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Have you ever heard, fake it till you make it? I, I like fake it till you make it, but only if it is that you're trying to make it. Let me tell you what I mean. I know a lot of people who will put on a good show, but they don't do anything else besides put on a good show. They're just faking it. They're not trying to make it. Don't be someone who fakes it till they make it. If, if it is that it's in you, uh, let's say I had a, a, a anger towards my husband, but I don't act it out. I say, yes, babe, I hear what you're saying, you're right, whatever, whatever you say to your husband or wife when you're really angry with them, I don't know. But if I'm trying to edify, I'm trying to fake it till I make it, but then I go back and I say to God, my attitude stinks, and I know it. I'm doing what you've called me to do, but my heart is not in it. Help me get my heart in it. 
then God honors that type of thing. Because what he realizes is that you're using the word, you're participating according to the word, even if your heart is not there. And when you confess to him and say, my heart is not there, please get my heart there, he is faithful to that. He's faithful to that. So what does the word of God accomplish? What does the sword accomplish? The sword of God, when it abides in you, sets you apart. It sets you apart. You live less like the world and more like Jesus. We become more like Jesus and less like the world. As we believe it, as we begin to use it. And, and was that sword heavy? Where did she go? Sweet girl. Was that sword heavy? Yeah. They're pretty heavy. So it takes some work, you know? You're wielding it for a while, and you're going, okay, God, I just I got to give it some rest. So it takes some work. It's a process. But when it abides in us, it begins the process of setting us apart, not according to God, because once saved, we're done. not done. He's still working on us, but we're saved. End of story. But it begins to change our behavior where we no longer act like the world. We begin to act like the word of God says. So it sets us apart. John 17, 17 says this, make them holy by your truth. That word holy is set apart. Make them set apart by your truth. Teach them your what? Teach them your word, which is truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. First Peter 1, 22 and 23 says this, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, since you purified your souls by in obeying the truth, the word of God, through the spirit in sincere, sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Have you ever been mad at somebody? Irritated with them, frustrated with them. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Have you ever been in the grocery store and saw somebody you really had an issue with? And and do you do this? And pray, don't let them see me, don't let them see me, don't let them see me, Jesus, don't let them see me, don't let them see me, don't. And you get around the corner and you go, that only works if they're not doing the same thing. I tell you that because I know that to be true. God convicted me one time. I was in Save Mart, which used to be in Sanger, it doesn't even matter. And I saw somebody I knew, but we'd had a few words If you couldn't tell it, when I was younger, I was mouthy. Okay, I'm mouthy now, too, but in a good way. Well, not always. Okay, let's rabbit trail. So I I got halfway down the aisle, took my eye, and I saw this person, and I went, oh, no. Oh, please don't see me. Please don't see me. Please don't see me. Please don't see me. Jesus, Jesus, please don't see me. Please don't see me. Please don't. (gasps) And they were right there. They had done the same thing. I thought, okay, 
So I acted out what I knew the word of God to be true. Do you know in that one act there was forgiveness that was poured over the situation? Because I acted according to the word, and God helped change my heart. It goes on, it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Amen. Amen. Never goes out of style, never stops working, never gets worn out. It's always there. Not only that, though, what the word of God accomplishes is it defeats Satan's plans and therefore defeats Satan. The word of God defeats Satan's plans for you. This thing right here, when it, when it takes up residence, when it abides in you, it defeats his plans. And therefore, it defeats him in your life. 1 John 2.14 says this, I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, young Michelle, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome. So how do we overcome? The word of God. It should abide in us. Our victory comes through the word as we live it out in faith. So, in closing, I want to I tell you, I want to say a couple of things. I'm going to take this off for just a minute. How do we apply truth to our lives so that our lives reflect truth? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? How do we, I can't do two things at once. I used to. How do we apply truth to our lives so that our lives reflect truth? Number one, admit, admit you can't do it by your own. You've tried. You've tried. My dad is a recovering alcoholic. We celebrated 25 years of him being clean. This weekend. But he, he became clean. He, he, got, he stayed dry because he realized he couldn't do it by himself. He had tried too many times. Something that I often tell people is they don't understand how sin works. That, that idea or that understanding of just this once gets a hold of you until you say just one more time. That's what sin does. And so you have to admit you can't do it on your own. You need help. Number two, praying, asking God to join the fight with truth. So, Lord, help your word be buried, take a presency, be at home in me, and help me be at home in your word. Find others uh, Find verses of truth in the Bible and take a stand. This is the place you fight from. So you find things in the Bible and you take a stand on them. And you say, not today. Today I'm wielding the sword of God. This is what the word says. I believe it. I'm standing on it. Come on. Act upon the truth. Not what's put in your head. Act according to the truth. Even if you are acting and you're saying, God, I don't feel it right now, but I'm going to fake it till I make it because I'm really working hard to make it. Thank God in advance for the changes 
that are going to take place. I know you all are wondering. How do I know this works? Because this is some of the names that Satan tried to tag me with. Loser. Broken. Liar. This is some of the names that he tried to lay on me and he said, pick them up, go ahead. You know you're them. You know you wear it. You know that's it. I wonder if I had you write on your name tag what word you would put there. Let me tell you something about Satan, something he doesn't want you to know. Every abuser tries to do two things to those he abuses across the board. Number one, he tries to isolate them. He wants to pull them away so that there is no other influence on the person that they, he's abusing or she's abusing. This is across the board. This isn't just for Satan. If you read, if you know anything about psychology, they will tell you that the number one sign of somebody who is abuser is when they try to pull people away from family or they try to pull people away from friends or away from church and they try to pull them and, and keep them right here. Number one, he isolates. The second thing they do is they intimidate. So they, they get you away, off to a corner by yourselves, and then they start intimidating you. That's what Satan does. See, he wants to isolate each and every one of you so that you'll start believing what your name tag says on it. He doesn't really want you to come to church. In fact, when you make that decision to get dressed in the morning, to step outside your door, to put the car keys in the car, to actually start it, drive here, get out of the car, and come in... He's, man, because he's not keeping you isolated. The thing you need to know, if you really want to walk in the word, if you really want to have victory, if you really want to understand, if you want to carry it like a sword, you need to be in this place, not at home. You need to be in a place where somebody's covering your back. So let me ask you, who does God say you are? Who does God say you are? Do you know? Do you know that in Romans 8, 1, he says you're not condemned? There is no condemnation, which means it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. There's no condemnation, but Satan will try to make you wear that. S Satan tried to make my dad wear the badge of alcoholism. Well, until this weekend. There is no condemnation. That's what the word says. Did you know that the word also says that you're a friend of Jesus? John 15, 15, go there. It says you are a friend of Jesus. Romans 15, 7 says you are accepted. 
God accepts you where you are. People think, oh no, I need to change. I need to get my true name on my badge before I walk in that door of Holy Communion. No, I got news for you. God accepts you. Holy Communion, I'm not talking about the bread and the wine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about that. The word of God says that you're accepted just as you are. It says that you're a child of God. Do you feel like a child of God this morning? Because you are. You are chosen. You are holy. You are blameless before God. And there's so many other promises for you. So let me ask you a question. Are you going to live according to the title Satan has tried to put on you? Or are you going to live according to the word? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know something. If you're here today and you may have been playing with God, I don't know. You know, like, I say I'm a Christian, but I don't know, have I, am I really a Christian? Because there was a lot of times, a long time ago, there was many years that I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. But that was it. It was lip service. But if you're here today and you say, you know, I've been playing with God for too long and I'm done playing. I want to I stand on the word. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here today and maybe it is that you need that word to become true in you, you need it to take a home in you. You need to take a home in it. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that today. Pastor Josh said that there was an altar team. I'm going to ask you to come forward right now, please. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Just spread out. Spread out. Uh, I'm going to ask also, uh, Pastor, would you, would you come as part of, a part of that team? Bow your heads, close your eyes, please. Father, it is our desire that we live according to your word, that we are able to pick it up, Lord God, that we are able to wield it and to use it as you have purposed it, not as a pocket knife, not as a kitchen knife, Lord, but the word of God is a sword, And Father, if there is any in here today that do not know you, Father, would you just put your hand on them right now? Would you help them come to an understanding that you are real, that you are close, and that you love them? If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If it is today that 
you've been playing with God. Or maybe you just haven't taken it as seriously as maybe you could. If it is today that you want to recommit or that you want to start standing on the word of God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Would you all stand up with me? I want you to know that these people are here because I truly believe that God will break chains in this place. And he's going to do it through the word of God. I believe that Jesus is going to set people free. And he's going to do it by the word of God. I believe that there is healing that is going to take place. And he's going to do it by the word of God. I believe that there are going to be financial battles won, and it's going to be done through the word of God. I believe that there are relationships that are going to be healed, and it's going to be done by the word of God. I believe that marriages are going to be restored, and it's going to be done by the word of God. And the reason why I believe this is in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It is talking about Jesus Christ himself. So I want to give you an opportunity. As I pray, if you, if you have anything that you need to have the word of God speak over, I'm going to ask you to come forward and let one of the team members pray for you. And it can be anything at all. You just need Jesus to speak louder in that place.